0: Are you interested in learning more about how to start your Salesforce career? Be sure to register for our next live webinar showing you exactly how the Salesforce career development program works, our latest statistics, and up-to-date information about what's going on in the Salesforce ecosystem. To register now, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash live. That's talentstacker.com forward slash L-I-V-E. We look forward to seeing you on the next live webinar. Two years ago, We started a global pandemic. I think we're all right. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And And you're you're listening listening to to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's show, Brad and Anita invite a recruitment director to explain job hunting from a different point of view.
1: Everybody's got gaps in the knowledge and we can all work on something. So by no means do we look for that 100% fit. Also, they debunk some
0: myths about what employers really want to see in their candidates. And that's where people get confused when they think, well, I just need more certifications. But the truth is, you're overlooking everything that you know Sam and Fast Slow Motion are looking for. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, we're gonna have some fun because we are bringing on the recruitment director from Fast Slow Motion. And Fast Slow Motion is a Salesforce consulting firm, but they are growing with like incredible speed. And they're also producing incredible results for their customers. And I know that their employees are happy because they've hired like 20 talent stacker alumni in the last year. So we've only heard amazing things. So I'm really excited to uh, have Sam Donaghy on to hang out with us and talk about what are companies looking for when they're hiring entry level talent? Uh, What is the process like behind the scenes for these companies So it's going to be a ton of fun. And with me, as always, I have Anita Smith to cover this. How's it going, Anita?
2: Hey, it's going pretty well. I'm having all the feelings for a recent Dreaming event. And I just got to say, like anyone out there, go to any type of Salesforce or local Dreaming event because everyone is so nice and the energy that they bring is just such a welcoming community and I, I love it. How about you? How are you doing? Yeah, kind of the same.
0: Like, it's been fun being back home and being able to, you know, relax a little bit and and not be in a conversation constantly. But you're right. Like, going to Dreamin was fantastic. Like, everyone is so kind and there's so much positivity and everyone just helping each other. It's It's really strange to be inside of a professional environment, but there's no suits or very few unless you just want to be in a suit. And everybody just wants to help each other, even people who are all looking for jobs or all hiring for you know new employees. They're all just working together to talk about what works for them and and what they're seeing. And so it's it's just a really communal space. So I I agree. Just find your local dreaming event and go to it.
2: Yeah. Oh. And I wanted to introduce Sam Donaghy. Welcome to the show. I don't know if you remember, you actually reached out to me a while ago, I think earlier this year. So I'm excited to talk to you here now.
1: Honestly, thank you so much, guys, for the invite. It's an absolute pleasure and an honor to be here, part of the podcast. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: No, it's our, our pleasure to have you on, Sam. And I guess to kick things off, like I know... Quite a bit about fast slow motion, and we we sort of call you guys FSM. I don't know if you call yourself FSM. I'm sure you do. So I'll just refer to you as FSM going forward. But do you mind telling us a little bit about like we know you're the recruitment director, we know it's a consulting firm, but do you mind just shedding a little bit of light on what you guys are up to and specifically, you know, what your role is at the company?
1: Absolutely, Bradley. Yeah. So I'm the recruitment director at Fast slow Motion. I've actually been working with Fast Slow Motion in some capacity or another for about four years now. So I've I've luckily been able to see the company grow from quite a small company to where it is today. I've been the recruitment director internally for about two years. And to be honest with you, the last two years is where we've seen the most amount of growth. We've grown from a team of like 30 people up to about 130 and counting. So this last two years has been Absolutely incredible. And especially to see it, you know, within the business, I've been very, very blessed to witness it. So we're a Salesforce partner consultancy. We have really carved out a very good reputation in the SMB market for Salesforce, small to medium-sized, you know, growing businesses. And what typically happens in this market, these companies, they've been very reactive with the solutions that they've adopted, right? They're successful in their own right. There's a ton of variety first and foremost. you know you get businesses across the spectrum, but they're growing in their own right. They're successful, but they're being very sort of uh, reactive with the technical solutions that they're adopting. And when we come in, we're basically introducing Salesforce and our partnership, and you know we're building from the ground up more often than not. So it's greenfield work, it's building. It's helping businesses to scale as well and create sustainable businesses. So we get to partner with, you know, decision makers of companies, business owners, founders, C-level executives, and we help to lean in, you know, solve complex business problems while integrating and implementing the Salesforce platform, which in itself is, as you know, just ridiculously scalable. It's got so many capabilities. You're never going to outgrow the platform. And that's why we've been hyper-focused on Salesforce in particular.
2: Amazing. And yeah, it's been incredible to watch the growth of your company. I wanted to touch base for those who aren't familiar with the term greenfield. It's basically just like a greenfield. So think brand new implementation. You don't have to fix any other old problems. It's like a clean slate. It's the ideal org to work in. So just wanted to explain that. So my first question for you, as you're growing, You're hiring a lot, right? So, what do you look for a potential new hire for FSM?
1: Absolutely. I mean, in terms of what we're looking for, we've sort of categorized some key areas that we're looking for and looking at when we're interviewing. You know, anybody really, regardless of their level of ability. But you know, I think engage, consult, and build are good terms to talk about. You know, everybody's client facing at fast slow motion, right? You're dealing with clients. So being able to engage, being able to build rapport, being able to build relationships up with people and clients is very, very important here. Obviously, consult is something that's very, very important because you need to be able to communicate the technical solutions in a matter that the client understands. And then obviously the build side, you you need a firm technical foundation of how Salesforce works from configuration to architecture, best practices, flows and automation and object oriented programming and so on and so forth. Those are the sort of categories that we've carved out, right? We we look at those areas. But I would say that business acumen is very important. And that's such a broad thing, right? Because there's so many different business models. Everybody's got a different starting point in the ecosystem. But we work with small to medium-sized businesses. you know. So business acumen, whether it's ingrained right now or whether you've got the potential to build upon that, I think is super important. Being hungry, humble, and smart, right? We take quite a lot of philosophies, from a guy called Patrick Lynchioni, and also Simon Sinek and Jim Collins and things like that. But Patrick Lynchioni, he's written a couple of amazing books. One is Five Dysfunctions of a Team and also the, team, uh, the Ideal Team Player. And we've sort of developed our own ethos from around those books. Hungry, you know, you must be hungry to work at fast, slow motion. You've got to be driven and dedicated, you know, having a strong desire to go above and beyond Humility is massively important. You know, it's important to be a team player here. You've got to leave your ego at the door. You've got to be coachable. Uh, you've got to be confident, but not arrogant and also smart. Emotional intelligence is probably greater to have than IQ, right? EQ is greater than IQ at Fast emotion. Motion. You definitely need both, but emotional intelligence, you know, can you read the room? Can you ask great questions? Are you an active listener? So those are some of the things that we're kind of reviewing when somebody comes through the interview process. And we're trying to identify: Do these people have these sort of? uh,
0: I'm totally forgetting the word there,
1: but
2: Uh, soft skills, skills. Yeah, there we go.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. Like these attributes that you're talking about, and what I notice is like I know those are two separate concepts you're talking about. So like engage, consult, build, and then hungry, humble, smart. The funny thing is, as you talk through that, like whoever's listening, if you just back up like two or three minutes and go back to the beginning of that stretch of what Sam just talked about, you're going to hear really the epitome of why we're constantly talking about you can transition from a non-technical background into a Salesforce career. And I think a lot of people question that. They go, well, what if I don't have the right college degree? What if I don't have the right technical background? And then you start to hear what Sam just outlined and you start to realize he's talking about reading a room and engaging And being able to communicate some of these concepts from maybe a more technical group of people to a less technical group of people and just being driven and focused and looking to accomplish this. And a lot of times that has to do with like, what is your why? Like, why are you really trying to break into a remote tech career? And we talk majority and inside of Talent Stacker, we sort of say, when you look at our coursework, we focus, I would say 30% on technical Learning, which seems strange because you're inside of a program trying to learn how to land a tech job, but only 30% of the content is based strictly on learning technical skills. And that's where people get confused and they think, well, I just need more certifications in order to be successful, or I just need to spend more time learning something technical to be ready for this job. But the truth is, you're overlooking everything that specifically, you know, Sam and Fast Slow Motion are looking for. Yes, they're looking for the technical side, but I would argue, even more so from what I'm hearing, they're looking for your ability to communicate, your ability to understand what people are asking for. And sometimes it has nothing to do with the project. You know, a team's just having a rough day or they're just tired or whatever it is and being able to accommodate that. So I just wanted to highlight that I I think number one, you guys are really organized around, you know, and intentional around what you're looking for. But to highlight for the audience, Just think about how much of that was technical and how much of that was not technical. And now decide how to plan for your career growth. Does your career growth need to live on trailhead or does your career growth need to live inside of community conversations and really working on those skills?
1: And I think authenticity is critical as well because you need to be authentic. You need to be yourself in an interview process. But I think you also need to lean into the areas that you have strengths in. You know, the things that I'm outlining here, These are a framework. Nobody's the 100% fit straight out the gate. Everybody's got gaps in their knowledge. Everybody's got gaps in their skill set. We're all working towards a particular goal. We want to become the 100% fit. You know, when you're the 80% fit or the 70% fit and you've got work to do and you've got time to fill in your gaps, that's what it's all about. Personally, when I'm recruiting and I'm looking for somebody, I'm looking for maybe two out of those three, right? Engage, consult, and build. You don't have to have three out of three to join fast, slow motion. You know, you might not have the business acumen, but you can work on the technical side, right? You can work on the Salesforce platform side. You've got all the hours in the day potentially, right? To do that. You might be a fantastic, engaging person who's very, very consultative, but you need to work on the Salesforce side, right? Everybody's different. And like I said, two out of three isn't bad, it's not bad. Everybody's got gaps in the knowledge and we can all work on something. So by no means do we look for that 100% fit. It's nice to have, but it's not have to have.
2: I'm curious about the numbers here. So the two out of three, what are you finding that majority people have two out of three? And what's the one piece that you see a lot of people are missing out on?
1: Well, that's a great question. I mean, a lot of people are pivoting, right? A lot of people are pivoting into Salesforce. So generally what I see, people are coming from unrelated fields. You know, they might not have the business acumen. It's difficult to kind of quantify if I'm completely honest. And what I've sort of realized is there are quite a lot of intangibles that we just can't determine on the front end. Looking at a resume or a LinkedIn profile, we can't determine somebody's capability or the full picture without putting them through the interview process at Fast Slow Motion. And I think that's why the interview process at Fast, Slow Motion, it's very in-depth. There's a lot of stages. It's not easy. It's probably one of the hardest interview processes in the ecosystem, but there's a reason for that. But ultimately, this is going to unpack you know everything about an individual that we need to know for them to be set up for success within the role. So yeah, there's intangibles. We can give the frameworks here and talk about what we look for, but ultimately, you need to interview well. And you need to showcase your ability through that
0: process. All right. So we're getting... I want to take a step back because I know what you're getting into because I know your process pretty well now, given how many members have gone through it. But for the listeners, I want to be able to zoom out a little bit because you're talking about really going from those really high levels we just talked about to getting into the detail of truly evaluating A person for a lot of things, right? Like culture fit, technical acumen, ability to communicate, ability to present, all those things, making sure they understand their own value. So, if we zoom out a little bit, I would love to introduce the audience because I don't feel like this is seen or understood fully. Like people like yourself and Anita and myself, we get a vision into this behind the scenes and it becomes this is just how business works, right? This is how they hire people. But for people on the candidate side, a lot of times they don't even fully understand what's going on on the employer side. Like I see so much, I don't want to say griping, like that's not the right word, but I see so much misunderstanding, especially on social media where people are willing to just say whatever they want to say. And the general public is always so mad at the employers for not moving fast enough, for not interviewing them fast enough, for not responding fast enough, for not giving them a fair offer, whatever they consider to be fair, whatever it is, right? And I find that often because they don't understand the process of the employer, it makes it very difficult for them to have empathy and go, well, of course, these things are going to happen because this is what's happening on there. And so all of that to say, would you mind walking us through like how do you as a recruitment director even find out, like how does the business even know? And let's focus on, say, an entry-level candidate. How do you even find out that you need an entry-level candidate? And then what steps are you taking? Is it like a meeting or is it just like a report you run in Salesforce and there's a threshold and there's projects waiting to be assigned, but there's no one to do the work? And then you know, like, how do you know you need a new talent? And then what's your process to go about getting that person hired? Well, so
1: we've got very, I mean, very well-structured teams at Fast Slow Motion. The organization is well-structured. It's well-oiled we over-communicate within the business and we over-communicate with clients. So operationally, it, it runs very, very smoothly. And we communicate our hiring needs, right? So we've got client directors that we speak with regularly to find out what their needs are on projects at any given time. And we know ahead of time, this percolates up very, very quickly. We're not very reactive to the market. We know how the business operates, you know, from the sales to delivery to hiring. And it's that sort of That system that works in unison—it's not 100% perfect. You know, everybody has to work on getting better all the time. But that's effectively how we do it: over communicating, finding out what the hiring needs are, and then obviously delivering on those needs as and when required. Now, in terms of our hiring needs for junior level talent, if I'm totally honest with you, for the last two years, around about 50% of all hires at Fast Slow Motion, around about 50% of all hires, new hires, have been entry slash junior level talent. And that's an astonishing number when you think about it.
0: Do you mind sharing that number one more time? Like reiterate that number? Absolutely. So what we've actually found is
1: over the last two years, out of all of the hires at Fast Slow Motion, roughly 50% of all net new hires have been junior slash entry-level talent. And that's an absolutely astonishing number. And what it really details is, Fast, slow motion is absolutely a destination for new and junior level talent to come and join our organization.
0: It also shows that you have an incredible... I mean, no other company is doing that. Like, I mean, we have enough inside a talent stacker without naming names of other consultancies. No, no one's doing that. You guys are a clear differentiator when it comes to facilitating onboarding and growth of new talent because we don't just see onboarding, right? We see promotions, and not annual promotions or annual reviews. We see people getting basically rewarded and recognized for their abilities and what they're bringing to the company. And it's not based on a quarter or a month or a yearly. It's based on you're doing great work, we're growing the company, now's your time, and they move forward. So it it shows, like you've said throughout this, how organized you guys are and the ability to take someone who's entry-level identify qualified talent, train them up, and then make sure they're on a path for growth with the company. Honestly, I, I, I haven't seen that at the scale you guys are doing. Like I've seen small companies pull that off reasonably well, but to go from 30 to 130 and to pull that off at that scale in you know, the last year or two, I think it's pretty exceptional. And I'm sure that's how you guys feel too, at least hopefully.
1: Well, I think it's a testament to the leadership team, what they've built, everything from the culture to the day-to-day operations, And also the structure of the teams, you know, the teams are structured in a way that actually gives a lot of support to new people coming into this role. You know, there's a support structure there. The teams are quite large. Anything from six to 10 people would be a sweet spot, typically, supporting up to 22 projects at any given time. You know, you've got project leaders who are overseeing that project team. They're building, they're maintaining that team, they're driving revenue and projects to that team. And they're also coaching, mentoring. And also, you know, you've got senior consultants, you've got Salesforce consultants, and then implementation specialists. And implementation specialists are generally where you typically see talent stackers and entry-level folks come into. And that role is absolutely ideal. And to be honest with you, this company is ideal for starting out in the ecosystem and continuing your career as well. But I mean, the sheer volume and variety that you get to see on a daily basis with the work that we do, We have that intersection in the SMB market and also with us being a generalist as far as verticals go, being a generalist as far as Salesforce products go. So, you know, nothing's off limits all the way from sales through marketing cloud and CPQ and field service lightning and service. So the variety, the volume, the reps, you know, the exposure, and then that support network of a large project team with lots of coaching and mentorship and, you know, collaboration built into that. It's literally the best place that you could start your career. And that's why we grow very, very well-rounded consultants. You start your career off doing a lot of configuration and building and, you know, learning best practices around automation and flows. But then as you kind of move up throughout the organization, you move away from the click paths and the configuration and you move, you know, more towards the solutioning and project management and client facing sort of work. But it's all there to learn and we we believe in a crawl walk run mentality here you know we want you to start off with less complexity and then build as time progresses and that way you get the support you get the reps you get the exposure and you can really become a very very well-rounded consultant
2: Oh, those numbers are crazy 50% i mean that is incredible so one of the common complaints i hear from people starting out the ecosystem they join a new company, they don't have the support, they don't have any mentorship, they're kind of like out on their own, barely like keeping their head above water. So it's really nice to hear that you guys focus on that. And I guess it makes sense why well, there's so many talent stackers there now. Which I'm I'm curious to hear of those 50% new hires. How many of those are talent stackers? You have to share if you don't want to. Don't want to make you uncomfortable. But if you happen to know the number in your head, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm absolutely terrible at math. So no, I don't know the number off the top of my head, unfortunately. But it's a lot of people, right? And and you know what I love about the talent stacker community within Fast Go Slow on. Motion, like. First and foremost, you know, Talent Stacker is an extension of the Ohana, right? The Salesforce Ohana. And, you know, you guys live and breathe that community and you've produced a fantastic community. And the fact that we've got our very own Talent Stacker community within Fast Slow Motion, I just love it. I love the fact that I've been a part of it.
0: Yeah, well, we appreciate you guys. I wish more companies would focus more, it seems like. I, I think it will move in that direction. And like it or not, you all are frontiering this path of what if we go heavy entry level and actually facilitate growth for those individuals versus just trying to hire talent that has 5 plus years of experience and all these niche skills but like you said it's because you are a generalist and i love that because it it does create an area to grow because you don't have to be a marketing cloud specialist on day 1 or a cpq specialist on day 1 and that scares people especially entry level people because the psychology is i'm coming into this i'm just Within my first year of learning about Salesforce and how this works and where I fit into this big picture, and you're telling me I already have to be specialized in something. Like, does that have longevity? Has that been around long enough for me to trust it with my career? Or maybe I just want to like pump the brakes and be a little more general and figure out what I like and where I fit in and what I want to do with my career. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you guys are just well poised, whether that was by design or it just happened to be and you embraced it, but definitely well poised to facilitate that entry level growth. I, I did want to sort of move into something you you mentioned earlier you were talking about what looks like a fit, and you were talking about what you guys wanted. And then really the typical person ends up being to maybe a 70 to 80 percent fit for what you want internally. And so I've gotten slammed on socials before for calling job descriptions a wish list, and and that might be. A little bit of a stretch to call it a wish list. I don't think so. I personally do think it's a wish list. But um, you know, a lot of employers are just putting these job descriptions out there that have everything, like everything plus the kitchen sink and the in the job description. They just want it all. And they know that person's not going to show up, but they're willing to take the person who's the best out of all the applicants. So I wanted to hear from your perspective when you're putting a job description together are you really expecting someone to meet every quote-unquote requirement of that job description? Or are you expecting that people are going to apply that are not necessarily meeting all of the requirements and they stand a really valid chance of landing that job if they can meet some of those other things you're looking for?
1: Well, you know what? If I'm totally honest with you, I think we hire to culture. I think we recruit to culture. I I don't think we are ticking boxes here and saying, do they have this, did they have that, did they have that from a technical perspective? Yes, we are looking to see if they are technically proficient on the platform, but that's what the interview process does. It finds that out because it's a hands-on interview process. It's a skills assignment. Ultimately, I think the most important thing is to hire and recruit to culture. You know, our why at Fast Slow Motion is actually more important than the what. The why is more important than the what. And, and you know, ultimately the culture... Is here because of the people. You know, we've created it, we've built it, and we want to maintain it. So when we hire, we actually hire people who are additive to the culture. You know, day one, right out of the gate, everybody is asked to make an addition and an improvement to the culture at Fast Slow Motion, and not simply be here for the culture. So ultimately, when we're interviewing people, and actually when I'm writing adverts, I'm talking a lot about the culture, Fast Slow Motion. I'm leading with that. You know, and our culture is built around impact flexibility and winning right and we we like to think of this as our like three-legged stool okay so impact flexibility and winning impact is the customer lens focusing on the best client experience customer satisfaction is non-negotiable leaning in and helping and making a transformative impact flexibility is the employee lens right this is a really hard job consulting is not easy But there's lots of flexibility built in at fast, slow motion. As long as you get the work done, it's a fully autonomous schedule. You know, there's no micromanagement here. And then winning is basically the company lens, you know, growing in a healthy manner, driving revenue. You know, the scoreboard matters for us, finding good clients to work with and being paid well for the work that we do. So we never want to get these three out of balance and lose alignment in any of these areas. Customer happiness, team happiness, and profitability. Those are the three things that we focus on. So when we're hiring and we're looking to hire people, it's down to the interviewee, right? It's down to the candidate to smash the interview process and showcase their ability. But what we're looking to see, are you a cultural fit? Do you have good business acumen? And do you have good, you know, strong technical ability? But I think ultimately when we're writing adverts, we're gearing more towards the culture. Are you going to come in and be an addition to the culture?
2: That is amazing. But I have a question. You said there's no checkboxes. How does one get through the front door? How do they even like get an interview, get to that point?
0: Yeah, like, like your attention, if you don't mind me like piggybacking on that question, Anita, like how do I get Sam Donaghy's attention? And this isn't to have every listener of the podcast go try to get in front of you specifically, but it's recruiting teams and employers and hiring managers at companies globally. Like let's categorize you as an intelligent talent acquisition person. So, how do I get in front of that person? Is it is it the resume? Is it the LinkedIn profile? Is it a slick portfolio? Is it they've got a certain college degree or they graduated from some pro like what is it you see and you're like, "Ooh, that's kind of nice. I think I like that. Let me look closer at this individual." Well, I think it's important to give some insights here. And I think this is going to be helpful
1: to the listeners as well. You know, if you're reaching out to hiring managers or recruiters, you know, get on a level with them and ask them what the hiring needs are right now. Don't just assume that you can get an interview and go through an interview process. And I mean that respectfully, you know, reach out to somebody and ask, are you hiring right now? Are you hiring junior level talent? You know, would you like me to send my resume? Can we have a conversation? Because ultimately, when I'm out in the market, I've probably got this mission in my own mind, right? What are the hiring needs at fast, slow motion? What have I been asked to go out and find? So if I'm being asked to find mid to senior level talent, and I've got a ton of junior level folks trying to get my attention, they're probably going to get ghosted, right? I'm not a ghost. I hope I'm not. I've probably done it occasionally. And if I have, I apologize to every single person listening that has been ghosted by me. I hate ghosting, and I'm probably a person that's done it. So the point is, you've got to think, what is the recruitment director or the recruiter or the you know the talent acquisition person what are they looking for at any given time and reach out and connect with them and find out because i think you'll connect with them that way you'll create a relationship and actually they'll probably be more willing to reach back out to you when they are looking for your level of talent now with that being said looking at somebody's resume i think talent stacker does a great job of polishing up linkedin profiles and also you know resumes you know, having your certs front and center, you know, two times certified, three times certified, maybe your vertical and industry knowledge, 10 years experience in manufacturing and cutting out any experience that isn't relevant to the role that you're applying for. I think that's probably critical as well. You know, when you've got like pages and pages full of information that's probably not relevant to the role that you're applying for, it's just white noise. It doesn't look that attractive to a recruiter. That's my
0: Opinion anyway. I hope that
1: answers that question anyway, unless you want some more from me.
2: No, I mean, that answered mine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. And I mean, it's a lot of the stuff we're, I would just say, preaching. Like I'm constantly trying to hit people with this. And you can't say it one time. You have to say it like a hundred times every week. Just like, look, LinkedIn matters and resumes matter. And you've got to showcase your value effectively. You cannot sit here and say anything and everything you know, if you're doing this right, you got to cater that resume to the job you're applying for. And you've got to be on LinkedIn and and showing up and showcasing your value. And if you're not doing that or you don't know how to do that, ask for help. Like ask somebody for help. Don't just sit there and go, this is too hard. Landing a remote tech job seems impossible. I'm not getting any traction. I've applied for 100 jobs and I haven't gotten any interviews. You can say it's fine. Like vent all you need to vent, have your feelings. But at the end of the day, Ask for help. Like there are communities of people out here who want to help you out. And and even people that you probably put on a pedestal where you go, I could never direct message that person. That would bother them. They're way beyond where I'm at. Like, trust me, like But that's
2: what everyone is thinking. So then no one ends up messaging that person. But yeah, the number one thing I got out of what Sam said is relationships matter. Like you didn't even mention about like submitting an application. You you just mentioned, just message me. And ask about me and what I'm probably looking for and interested in, like that. Everyone out there, don't just apply to jobs. You know, take that extra step and reach out to the recruiter. Try to make their job easier. You know, they're trying out there trying to find talent. Make it an easy yes for them.
0: I've got sort of a selfish question. I like to ask this every time.
2: Bradley needs a job.
0: Do you Do you have any <laughs> jobs available? What are you guys looking for? No. Um, anytime I get to talk to somebody who's in the recruiting or hiring arena especially in the tech space. If you can do a short answer version of this, how much does the college degree matter?
1: Now remember, I'm not a hiring manager, okay? I'm not a hiring manager. I'm a recruiter internally. So, I'm facilitating these conversations with hiring managers and I'm, you know, helping people through the process. We've seen people get hired who've got no degrees, college degrees, university degrees, you know, high school dropouts, seminary dropouts, Right. We've seen so many different people. It's not going to hold you back at fast, slow motion. If you've got the capability to come in here and showcase your ability and you do a great job in the interview process and you show your value, I don't think you're going to be discriminated based on a degree or lack of.
0: Yeah. I, I would totally agree. I just had to get your, your take on that specifically. And follow up question given I think a lot of time, I spend a lot of time on social media. You'll, you'll figure that out. Um, is uh, a lot of what we're seeing right now. And I think always, but especially now, we're seeing conversations around, you know, hiring freezes and there's always conversation around the economy and how the economy's doing and these kind of things. From your view, from your perspective and your lens, how much is that affecting specifically the Salesforce ecosystem? Or is it just business as usual and keep rolling and ignore the media and just, just push forward?
1: Well, I mean, look, I, I don't run the business. I think the leadership team at Fast Low Motion has got a very, very strong hand on the business. We've got good form from going through a pandemic and having you know not having to actually let go anybody during that pandemic. There was no layoffs at Fast Low Motion, you know, which is an absolute blessing. And then we've obviously scaled coming out of the pandemic and it's been a bit of a boom couple of years. Yes, the economy is a bit crazy globally. I think fast slow motion, the leadership team are probably looking for data points to to determine what the next step is. Ultimately, it's a healthy organization. We want to grow. We want to continue to grow. But the bottom line at fast low motion, we're only going to grow if it's sustainable, responsible. You know, we're here for longevity and we want to make sure people have got a career here and we don't have to be backed into a, a corner to make bad decisions. But yeah, look, I mean, Salesforce itself is very, very robust. You know, it goes through pandemics. It goes through recessions. I think if you're choosing Salesforce as a career, You probably made a wise move. And, you know, hopefully we'll get through any storm that comes.
0: I think that's it. Like, that's the answer, right? If we can just go back, if we can zoom out just two years, like two years ago, we started a global pandemic. I think we're all right, right? Like, I think that if we can weather the storm of that, we can probably get through the ups and downs of just what happens in any any economy. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you that if you sit and live in a fear mindset and you're always afraid of what's going to happen over the next five years 10 years god forbid 20 30 40 years like if you're always looking that far out to make your decisions for tomorrow then you're probably going to find yourself just absolutely frozen and not able to move forward in any meaningful direction
1: yeah you don't want to get stuck in uh, analysis paralysis and you know you want to do what you can with the time you have and make positive steps and I believe that folks that are going through talent stacker, they're making those positive steps, and the economy will bounce back. It'll recoil. It'll go up. It'll go down. And that's what it does. And we just got to roll with the punches. But what I have heard is Salesforce is recession proof, and that's a good place to be.
0: Yeah, that is a really interesting perspective on on sort of how technology and Salesforce specifically fits into the economy and, and moving through these ups and downs. So I, I really appreciate that. So. I think sort of related is a pretty hot topic in the Salesforce ecosystem. And it's between, you know, if you go on YouTube or, you know, Mason Frank salary surveys or whatever else you're going to see, you know, there really used to be this divide between administrators and developers and like, where's the longevity in administrator and developers. And then recently we've seen much more emphasis on roles like business analysts and project managers and implementation specialists. And we're sort of getting more into the details of what do project teams really need to facilitate projects and do those well. And of course, like with any good technology, things are changing really quickly. Like for anyone who knows Salesforce, you know that, you know, 10 years ago, workflow was like the major point and click declarative automation. And then we had Process Builder come along and just totally Overhauled the way that administrators could create automations. And, you know, now we have flows introduced, which, if you don't know, flows have just completely changed the game on when you need a developer and when technically someone declarative can do it. I won't go as far as to say that's an administrator anymore. I think Eric Maul coined the phrase a declarative developer. So we're definitely seeing this middle ground of what roles are available and what's needed. So I'd love to know, you know. What is fast, slow motion seeing? What trends are you seeing between these different roles and how much development is needed versus declarative?
1: Well, I think it's important to note that on the the delivery side of fast, slow motion, we do have developers. So we've got a team of developers, but we also got a team of consultants. And you start at the implementation specialist level and make yourself, you know, make your way up to the senior consultant level. And you know the guys over here, they pretty much do everything, right? It's a very, very well-rounded role. You start off with the declarative side, configuration and building, and then you move up through the ranks and you move away from the click paths. But what we're actually seeing really is more of a shift away from the programmatic to the declarative as we've grown. We've seen the need for development has actually decreased. So Salesforce flows are absolutely the future of automation. Flow Builder forces you to think like a programmer. So, we really do need people to know how to build flows when they come here. if you don't know how to build flows, if you're thrown into one of our teams you're not going to be set up for success. you know you need to really focus a ton of effort here and lean into flow builder put a lot of emphasis on learning that side of things
0: that's i mean that that is like wildly interesting compared to if we were having this conversation even like three four or five years ago, that is just simply not going to be the case right like i I mean there were like major Salesforce influencers who would say the future of Salesforce is the death of the declarative and developers are all that's going to be needed going forward because it's going to be so complex. But then when you see a wildly innovative company like Salesforce realizing we've got a talent gap, like we cannot get people qualified for these jobs. And what is the hardest position to become qualified for? A developer. And what is the easiest, not easy, but easiest transition to come into would be more like an admin or an analyst. And so Salesforce realizing we have got to innovate our platform in a way that allows the admins and the analyst to have more control over designing these systems and building these functionalities. And the more that we can take out of the hands of the developers, the easier it's going to be for everyone. And that doesn't mean like anybody who's out there saying like, in my opinion, Admin jobs are going away, analyst jobs are going away, developer jobs are going away. You're you're misled by the the conversation because the truth is there's such a massive talent gap that there are an overflow of developer jobs, an overflow of analyst jobs, and an overflow of admin jobs. There are just more than enough of all of them because there's not enough qualified talent to fill the roles anyway. So no matter which direction you're going, I would say don't go after the money, don't go after the title, go after the role that aligns with your interests. And you're going to win no matter which direction you go.
2: Yeah. And I wanted to add on to that, go with the culture, you would be a best fit in. Because if you want to grow with a company, you have to match the culture and add to the culture. Like Sam said, you want to be there a while. And I mean, if it's not a good fit, you won't enjoy the work that you do. Yeah.
0: Well, it has been amazing having you on, Sam. I really appreciate you taking the time out to really like pull back the curtain on what happens behind the scenes at a consulting firm and especially an extremely successful consulting firm like Fast Slow Motion and and let us see what's going on there. So thank you for coming on and spending time with us. I hope that you enjoyed your time.
1: 100%. And hopefully I, I get another invite back at some point as well. Thank you so much for having me, guys.
2: Thank you so much, Sam, for coming on Really appreciate you being here today and hiring a bunch of talent stackers as well. (laughs) Any of you listeners out there that want to get started and maybe eventually go to a company that has a lot of other cool talent stackers, possibly, maybe, I don't know. Head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start to sign up for the free five-day challenge.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. And if you're enjoying these episodes and you feel like you're getting value from the show, then please just click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on And don't forget that we are having regular Q&A episodes where we're answering your questions on the show. So if you want to submit your questions, you can leave a written review and write your question in there or just head over to talentstacker.com forward slash voicemail and you can leave a voicemail question and we'll get that answered on the show. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonza. If you like what we do at this scrappy can do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.